0: God is a holy God, and He is serious about us walking in holiness. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord.
1: The Bible says, woe to those who isolate themselves or who don't have anyone there to pick them up when they fall down.
0: The gospel hope is that we believe in a God who is engaged with His Son.
1: I have had to come to terms with the fact that I live in a broken world and I live in a broken body.
0: What if the one thing that we're praying for God to take away is the one thing he's using to make us more like Jesus?
1: Welcome to the ERLC podcast. I'm Trillia Newbell, the Director of Community Outreach at the ERLC. We are doing a series called How to Handle. There are different things that are going on in the church and in and culture, and, and oftentimes we, we hear about these things, but we're not talking about them, or we're thinking about them in theory and not putting flesh and blood to them. And so we are thinking through various topics. And today I'm really excited to have Tim Chalice on. And we're going to think and talk about biblical literacy. Tim is an author, blogger at chalice.com. He's a pastor, he's a husband, he's a father. He does a lot of things and he's in Canada. And so, Tim, thanks for joining us.
0: Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to jump on this topic is because it really isn't something that you, that you hear talked about a lot. We, we see, we'll see articles, but it's something that is affecting the church at large. And I know you have written quite a bit, one on your site, but also through your books about theology and Bible study and understanding the scriptures. It, and I, from what I have uh, know about you, as as I've gotten to know you over several years now, and reading your work, this is something that would be near and dear to your heart. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the church can be any stronger than its knowledge of God's Word. I mean, really, all we have to offer the world is God's Word. We've got right. nothing else to give, nothing else that distinguishes us from anyone else. So if we're going to make a mark on the world. It'll be because of our knowledge of the Word and then our application of the Word to the world. So.
1: That's all we got. It is all we it is. It's all we got. And yet, do you see what I see? I, I think I'm seeing I, I see a resurgence in people um trying to understand the word and its context and trying to understand the word and how it applies to them, and most importantly to understand God. I see that this is something that um is being talked about some, but do you see this need that I am? I feel I can feel it, in, especially in women's groups. Is something that we've been talking about a lot about getting rid of what we would call fluff and really making sure that we are teaching and that women are absorbing meat, real theology and an understanding of God's word. Do you see that as well?
0: Yeah, very much so. I think there's a movement afoot to maybe improve upon ministry, especially women's ministry. Um, and to ensure that, like you said, people are really digging into the Word, that they're not just uh, absorbing the fluff, doing those little, you know, doing those Bible studies that just sort of talk about how you feel about the Word or what the Word makes you think about, but really diving into what does it really mean. Uh, So I think there's a lot of that going on. And in general, I'd say it's a a healthy trend. I'm I'm starting to wonder if in some ways maybe it's gone, if there's, maybe it's a, perhaps a counter-movement to some of what's been going on. And I think any counter-movement is always facing the challenge of not going too far. Yes. And so my concern is that as we talk about really understanding the Scripture and diving deep, hopefully we're not undermining people's confidence in the sufficiency of God and His Word, that we can read it and understand it, and um, that we don't need to always apply a full, deep, exegetical study to the Word, we can read it and understand it, and God works. So somewhere between those two two poles, I think, is this great space where people love the Word and have confidence in the Word and are reading the Word and are teaching the Word to one another and feeling a real freedom and joy in the Word.
1: Hmm. I am so glad you brought that up because I do think we're pendulum swingers, and and we will go one way, and then we, we try to correct, and we can overcorrect. And I interviewed a friend, and I was asking her to encourage people to just read, <laughs> just right. just to read, because I, yeah. I I I think you're exactly right. I think we can second guess a lot. I can I'll just say for myself, I confess, um, a lot of second guessing because of this fear of getting it wrong. Right. And, yeah. And, right. And so, yeah. And I've,
0: I've, I've encountered quite a few people lately who whose desire to apply a method to understanding and teaching the Word has actually undermined their confidence in the Word. Now, yeah. that that doesn't mean a method is wrong, and of course, we want to be people who are studying God's Word and really understanding what it says, but methodology can make us doubt our simple ability with the Holy Spirit to read mm. the Word and understand it. Um So again, somewhere between those, Luther compared to Christians, to people, a drunk man who climbs on a horse and falls off one side and then climbs up again and falls off the other side, right? Mm. And I think we just need to be very careful that we're not overcorrecting and and by mistake actually undermining people's confidence in the Word. So um, absolutely, let's continue to dive deep into the Word, but let's also have that proper confidence that God works through the Word. It's his joy to mm. work through the Word. And we've got the Holy Spirit on our side to, to help us understand it. And, you know, I think one of the one of the things we need to keep in mind is that we can read the Bible in, you know, maybe we could break it into two broad ways. The first way is to read it slowly and meditatively and to linger over words and verses. The other way is to read great swaths of Scripture, and I think we need to have a good balance of both of those in our lives, where we're reading the whole Bible in a year, or the whole Bible in six months. That way we get that 30,000-foot overview of the Word, and then we're also going back slowly at times and diving deep, and I think there's a great balance to be had there.
1: I think that's incredibly wise and freeing. Very that's, freeing, yeah. and, and, and not,
0: like We need both of them. If you're always down in the in the weeds, down in the, you know, looking at words and verses, that's a very good thing to do. But don't forget to pop your heads up and get the whole narrative, get the whole picture of Scripture. And so that's why, personally, I read the whole Bible every year, so that way I'm getting that big picture and tying the themes together, and then I'm taking time as well. And, you know, primarily this is through hearing sermons every mm-hmm. week at church, but then also in my own study, reading and pondering and lingering over other parts as I encounter them or or choose to study them. And I think there's a good balance to be had there. So we're getting both sides of it. Mm,
1: I love that for a number of reasons, because I I just mentioned it's so freeing. And obviously the Bible has life, is life, but it just gives it life to not be so bound to a method or bound to rules, but to enjoy the scriptures and enjoy God through right. his word. And so I really, I think that's awesome. And um, and how would you suggest that local churches become equipped in this? Because I think every year we say, okay, here's your Bible reading plan. Yeah. And, and how do we encourage people in May? Okay. You didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So how do we get, let's get, keep going. Let's get in the word. It doesn't mean that you don't get in the word or that you failed completely. And now it's, it's a wash. How do we yeah. encourage, um, this to be a continual conversation, not just a conversation, but a part of our lives? I know for me, I, uh, wake up and I'm, I guess I'm a very typical, wake up every morning and have my time with the Lord with my coffee, <laughs> but um, the Instagram thing, this, that's me. But how do we encourage this continual study and, and reading beyond January 1?
0: <laughs> so I think we as Westerners, 21st century Westerners, approach the Bible very much as you know me, Jesus, and my cup of coffee, which is great, mm. and I do that every day, too. Um, but, if we look more broadly, both in time and culture, I think we see that individuals before the Bible is well not all of history has been able to do it that way. Right. We have uh, right now, I can see about eight bibles, just where i'm I'm sitting right now i've got Bibles everywhere, mm-hmm. um, each of them containing everything from Genesis to revelation you go back in history, you go to different times and places, Bibles were scarce. And so the Word was scarce, but people still knew how to serve God. People still meditated upon God. And often they did that, A, by deeply pondering the bit they had, or B, by doing it in community a little bit more. So I've often wondered if some of our struggles with uh, the Word is, that we're so isolated with the Word, that mm. God gives us a community of people to study the Word together. And sure, we do that on Sundays when we gather as a group of individuals in our churches and and hear the Word preached, which is a beautiful thing, but I think there's such a place in the Christian life, in the Christian home, to study God's Word together, to do it in community.
1: Absolutely. And that is,
0: if you only ever got together with other people to study God's Word, I think that would be absolutely fine. I don't think we have to be me Jesus and my cup of coffee, <laughs> right? So yeah. um if if one is growing colder, you're finding very hard to study God's Word, why don't you get together with people mm. and say, we're going to get together around God's Word. It, it's not so much that you get alone with the Word, it's that you get into the Word. It's uh, Don Whitney speaks about Bible intake, right, which I think is a good way of of looking at it. I need to get the Bible into my heart, into my mind, into my life. Whether I'm doing that individually or with my wife or with my family or with my church, I just need to get the Bible in. And, uh, you know, there's many, many different ways of doing
1: that. Mm. Well, again, this is really freeing. And um, I'm encouraged also, our church, we have a sm- small group, and what we do is we'll go through book of the Bible or we'll, we concentrate on a certain section. And, and it's, it is such a joy to do that. In community. And so that is a great suggestion to do it in community. And I love (laughs) your Western view. That's, it's, it is good to see how our general culture affects the way we operate. And even in Bible reading, yeah. So things like, like the cup of coffee and me and Jesus, it's, it is, uh, something that is typical that you see. And I, I really, I think that's a great suggestion for churches and for people in communities is to get together with and and even discipleship groups or yep uh yeah just to be in the word for intake I love that
0: right so- yeah, just get the word in the word is powerful the power is in the word or the power is the spirit working through the word so one way or another, get the word into your life, and, and the Lord will use that.
1: That's encouraging. Promises do. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And what what do you say to the person who's listening, and they're like, okay, but they are filled with um, condemnation because they or they struggle to read, um, which I hear a lot that people they approach the word, and it's not that they struggle because they. They are f- afraid they're going to get it wrong. They just simply struggle, but yet they they also s- struggle with condemnation as a result. So yes. maybe those are two different questions. But h- how do you encourage someone who one struggles just to read? It, there, it's not that they are um, it's not that they are a- afraid to approach, but they just they struggle to read. And then the person who sh- stands condemned um, pretty consistently because they're not in the word.
0: Yeah. Well, to that first person, um, you know, I think Satan, I, I mean, I know Satan really wants us not to read the Bible, because the Bible is how mm. God gives us assurance, the Bible is how God um, gives us, you know, how he imparts holiness to us, or how he teaches us his will, teaches us his word, so Satan does not want us in the word, and so he'll give us every reason not to. Um, Meanwhile, the flesh, our own sinful flesh, doesn't want to be in the Word. It's quite content to be fleshly and not to be uh, renewed through the power of the Word. So there's all these things arrayed against us. And so I think when we realize we should expect that it's going to be difficult because we're sinful people living in a sinful world surrounded by sinful influences, right. so of course the Word will be hard because it's so good. And so then setting our minds that, no, I'm going to resist these temptations to the laziness, to apathy, to the all these other things. I need to be in the Word. I believe there's power in the Word. And uh, that power is only available to me if I read the Word. Um, so, you know, just, just understanding it's okay to be tempted away from the Word. You should expect to be. That's proof of how powerful it is, mm. that Satan's trying to, to keep you from it. But then if you're feeling condemned, well, that's why we've got a gospel which says your salvation isn't contingent on your Bible reading and God's love for you isn't imparted to the same degree as the amount of Scripture you you can recite.
1: God loves you
0: through Jesus Christ. He loves you because He set His love on you and saved you through Jesus Christ. So your salvation isn't dependent. His favor isn't contingent on the words you, you read. It's there. You are accepted. You are loved. And so out of that love, Get to know this God who loves you. Get to know the Savior who saved you. You'll find him in the Word, and you'll grow deeper in your love for him, and you'll want to read about him all the more, and really to meet, not just read about him, but to encounter him, to meet him in his Word.
1: Hmm. That's encouraging, and it's so true, and I'm so glad that it's not based on us. Praise the Yeah, maybe,
0: maybe one thing we need to think about as well is, you know, there is this sense, and some people seem to describe their Bible reading as this time of great passion, this time of, um, you know, where they almost encounter God physically or something, and you can hear them talk about their scripture reading, and you think about your own, and you think, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just doesn't sound like that. What am I missing out? And and so a lot of us have this sense that my, my devotions are lacking, that my prayer is cold and my Bible reading must not be what it should be. Um, be obedient. God says to read and pray, read and pray, and God will work through that. You, don't trust your feelings. That's good. Trust obedience. Do what God says to do, and he will change you. You may not have these, these great towering moments or these swells of emotion. Just do what God says to do, and he'll work through you.
1: Amen. No, you're exactly right, and I think that um, that's Probably one of uh, the greatest hindrances to is comparison to to compare right someone's quiet time or their time with their Lord or their knowledge or their it will hinder it will hinder our joy and it will hinder even our reading. We right. may even give up so i, I I'm really grateful that you brought that up. I think I mentioned it earlier, visual theology. You and Josh Byers, you wrote this book, it's called Visual Theology: Seeing and Understanding the Truth About God, and I I just wondered, why did you decide that it it needed to be visual? What did you what inspired you? What inspired you to to pursue this book one? And then why do you think it's important that we see it?
0: Yeah. Uh in a word, the tabernacle, like I said, the tabernacle, (laughs) but tabernacle was visual theology. So God said, build this structure, this place of worship, and everything in that tabernacle pointed beyond itself. So there was an altar there, but the altar wasn't just a purely functional thing. It had symbolism. It had meaning. You were supposed to understand things by looking at it. And then you go into the the holy place, or the most holy place, and you would see an ark. Well, the ark was an artifact. It was an object, but it had great significance beyond itself. So as you walked around the tabernacle, as you saw the parts you could see, as you knew about the parts you couldn't see, everything pointed beyond itself. So it was a place of instruction, but visual instruction. God never laid out, this is what those things mean. He expected that people would study them and come to know them. So he, God believed that, and he knew that people could look at these things and learn. So there's this visual learning going on. And I started thinking, how could we apply that today? How could we learn visually today, especially with a very, very visual generation like the one we have today?
1: No, you're so right. I
0: started thinking about theology and how we could display theology instead of doing what we typically do, which is also very good, which is using words to describe theology. So how could we show people truth about God? So that was the challenge that sort of formed the heart of the book, then combining the words and the images together.
1: No, you're exactly right about us being visual. And we're also um a little bit short we our attention span is shorter. I've at least that's what I've heard and read. And so I I think something like seeing and, and visualizing and, and getting it in um, an art form with words is helpful. So, so I, I think you're exactly right. And so thank you so much for doing that. Is there any last encouragement that you would like to share for maybe I- anyone who's struggling or how they can listen to this and then go and take it and read? Anything you'd like to say? Yeah,
0: I think just, have confidence in God's Word. Have confidence that the Word works, that it's God's joy. So God is for you in your Bible reading. God is with you. He's not holding back treasures from you through the mm. Word. We, you know, Part of the thing we can do is get in our minds this idea that the Bible is so hard. I need degrees, and I need courses, and mm. I need methods to understand it. God works through the Word. God gives you His Spirit to help you understand and apply the Word. So yes, it is complicated. I mean, Peter wrote about Paul. His words are hard to understand, and you've read the book of Romans, and you know it is hard to understand, and yet it is God's absolute joy and pleasure to help you understand the Word, to apply it to your heart so you can be like Christ, so you can be conformed to His image. So have confidence in the God of the Word, which gives you confidence in the Word, which hopefully gives you confidence in your ability to read it, to just sit down who you are as you are, read the Word, and benefit from it. It we we don't have to complicate it a whole lot more than that.
1: Mm. Well, Tim, I'm encouraged. I really am so encouraged and I think um partly is that there's so much grace in this conversation. So, thank you. I I think anyone who's listening to this will be um, encouraged and inspired, and not condemned or feel like a, a, a new law has just been added to them. So thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it was incredibly encouraging. Well, thank you for joining us on the ERLC podcast. I hope you'll stay tuned for the next few weeks as we continue this series. And thank you again, Tim. This was great.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome.